went, uh, never lasts long enough, although some of those 90-some degree days, I was glad they were gone, but um, yeah, so uh, one of the big deals, of course, is as we come to this time of year, uh, school is about to start, and uh, some of you, I think, some of you folks, uh, young folks, are going back to school this week, yeah, okay, some the next week, some are going off to college. Yeah, all kind of things happening. And certainly, uh, there are concerns that we have, aren't they, as parents, grandparents, uh, just about the whole process. Um, and prayer is such an important part that we really pay, pray for our, our kids, the teachers, professors, uh, administrators. All of those uh, involved in the process. So I have a little video. Uh, we had a little trouble getting it up, so hopefully it'll run okay. But uh, to kind of guide us in our thinking and prayer uh, at this time of year. Been touched as we consider what's coming, as we look at these pictures. I agree with the, the prayer of the narrator. We, uh, we thank you, Lord, for the, the, the many privileges and opportunities we have uh, for education. Um, thank you for those who lead, administrators, professors, teachers, aides, all of the helpers in the school systems. Lord, just pray your blessing on them and you would guide them in their part. We pray for the students, uh, Lord, um, whatever level they're in, that um, particularly for those of our number uh, as they head in. And uh, we just pray, Father, in the midst of a culture that is often unfriendly to the truths of Christ, that, uh, that they might hold firm to that which is true and really grow in Him. Bless those who are believers within the system, Lord. And we pray that uh, you would guide and direct in every way. We pray for safety. We know we live in a world of violence and uh, just pray for your protection. And thank you that you are a constant help. You are our refuge. <laughs> we run to you. Thank you that you are always faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we continue uh, our series on Abraham, confidently looking forward, and uh, it's, uh, today we are talking about a day of highs and lows. Uh, actually, in the first part of Genesis 18, we won't go through all of Genesis 18 today, we'll pick up the second part next week, but, um, you know, days... A day of highs and lows, that's uh, probably pretty typical of every day. I don't know about you, it seems like, you know, some days start out rough and end up better, some days start out good and end up worse, some days are up, down, up, down. I mean, it's just constant, isn't it, in this life? Uh, it, isn't, it isn't always like we would hope it would be, but uh, for all of us, life is full of highs and lows. And, you know, learning, we talk about education and learning, but learning to handle the ups and downs comes with maturity. But it doesn't mean it's ever easy. We just kind of learn our way. You know, when we start out in life as babies, uh, I heard a Christian counselor say one time that for babies, 
life is either total pain or total pleasure. Think about it, right? Babies, they're either happy uh, and then the next minute they're screaming, right? Uh, they either have a clean diaper or a dirty diaper, right? I mean, it is total pain or total pleasure. I, I kind of think that is still sort of true with us as we go through life. It's just we kind of learn how to manage it or handle it a little bit. We don't scream. Maybe we do. I don't know. But uh, we probably like to sometimes just scream and cry. But uh, uh, we kind of change the process a little bit. Uh, but yeah, there's a desire, and I think it's a God-given desire, that there would be stability, that, that things would be good all the time. I think that's sort of the desire that God puts in us because that's who He is. That's where there is total pleasure with Him. Someday we'll know that completely when we're with Him. C.S. Lewis said that. He said, you know, that, that desire that we have within of, of wanting things to be right and good is really a sign that there's something beyond the present. There's more to life than what we might see. And it's God who calls us to seek after Him. But you know, uh, certainly the highs and lows continue in life. Uh, uh, many of you know that uh, Steve Souter, you know, he's our golf coordinator. Okay, there, Some of you might know there's a Souter Tour. Yeah, and some of us are privileged to play on the Souter Tour. But uh, one of the, you know, Steve has many sayings. He didn't know I was going to do this, so he's probably going to get me later, but, but that's okay. Uh, but, you know, um, one of the things I've often heard Steve say, you know, uh, he says, you know, what follows a good hole? A bad shot. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, that does seem to happen a lot of times. You do something really well. Oh, man, I got this. Guess what? Next hole. There it goes. All right. Life's that way, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's often good and then often not so good now last week uh before we came in here to chapter 18 and uh we we talked about god coming to abraham again actually changing his name and changing sarai's name to sarah and uh again affirming confirming the covenant the promise that god would bless him and all of his descendants and that uh, he would be the father of nations thus the name Abraham and uh, you know it certainly was uh, a positive time and all of that revealing but then of course we ended that section with God saying with the sign of the covenant is circumcision and so that was <laughs> a difficult time fulfilling the call of God to really carry that out what well, we find in today's text, certainly this high and low day. And so let's look at it. I'm going to read uh, in the New Living Translation, uh, chapter 18 of Genesis, verses 1 to 22. The Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. One day, Abraham was sitting at the entrance to his tent during the hottest part of the day. He looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. Rest in the shade of this tree while water is brought to wash your feet. And since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, 
do as you said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it into dough and bake some bread. Then Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to a servant who quickly prepared it. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat and he served it to the men. As they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the trees. Where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my master, my husband, is also so old. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh? Why did she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, No, you did laugh. Then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. So beginning of this chapter, we find Abraham in a familiar place, um, near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. Mamre was um, a pagan person in the land of Canaan, had this property, but this was a special place, a friend of Abraham who allowed him to be there. And uh, this was a place where God had spoken to him before, would again. Uh, there was a place where he had set up worship to God in response to all of the covenant promises. And, and it's certainly the area that Abraham had moved to to dwell after he and Lot had divided the land. So it's kind of a restatement that Abraham's here, <laughs> Lot is in Sodom. And that's what we're going to find as we go into the rest of this text. But uh, Abraham, even though in the promised land, certainly doesn't possess it yet, but he's there. He's in the process of God leading. Now we're told here during the hottest part of the day, Abraham was sitting just inside his tent and he suddenly saw three men appear. He hadn't seen them coming, but they were suddenly there. They were standing nearby and immediately... I mean, there was just something that drew Abraham to go to them. He, he got up and he ran, actually, we're told here, to meet them. He, he recognized that these were special visitors. And his greeting was one of, of welcome, openness, great respect. 
as he bowed to the ground, and he even used the word Lord. And actually, in the Hebrew text, it is the word Adonai, which is the word that is used for God. I mean, uh, Adonai, of course, is the, uh, the common word for God uh, because of the respect for God and His holiness. Uh, there was not the word Yahweh that was used publicly, but the word Adonai. And, and so, the, but they, he used this for greeting these men. And um, he recognizes, he recognizes immediately that there's something here that seems to be God-led, God coming to him. And so his first response is to serve them, to welcome them to his home, to show them hospitality. And he tells them, hey, rest in the shade, and they're brought water to wash their feet. He, he's taking care of their needs as travelers. And then he and Sarah immediately begin to prepare a meal. They prepare the best meal, the best flour for bread, a tender calf. Now, it's interesting, the amount of flour used here, you know, it says what? How many says it says? Three, is it? Yeah. That equals about 15 quarts. That's a lot of flour. That's more than enough flour for bread for three people. So obviously, there was not just giving bread for the dinner, but he was providing for them as they were travelers. He was taking care of their needs beyond the moment. So Abraham's really into this, okay? He he's really wants to do the best for these three. It's obvious that, that this is a special moment, and he's responding accordingly. And he serves the, the meat and the bread with yogurt and milk. And it's interesting that we note here in the text that he didn't sit and eat with them, but he waited in the shade of the trees while they ate, just kind of stood there and, and participated in conversation, but really wasn't a part of the meal itself. He was continuing to be the serving host, all right? Uh, not uh, associating himself as one of them. They were, in his mind, certainly qualified much greater than his standing. And he was showing them that. God visits Abraham here in these three visitors. Now, it's interesting, you might say, and I, my, all week I've been thinking about this, who, who really are these people? And I've read commentators and I've done a lot of study. Guess what? Nobody really knows. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of where we come down to. It's very obvious that God is speaking through these visitors. It's very possible, because of the way the text reads, that one of them is very actually God himself in human form. But it might not be. It might be an angel who God is speaking through. Certainly we've seen that throughout the text. We don't know. It doesn't really make that clear. The thing that we do know is that God is visiting Abraham in person. He's giving him the message that he's been giving in a variety of ways through the time, but now he's coming right to his house. I think it's pretty cool as I think about it. We've been in this process with Abraham for a while, and we've seen the call of him when he was in the Ur of Chaldees, and he was in the pagan culture, and, and God calls him. Somehow he hears the voice of God, and he knows it's God, and, and he responds positively, and they, they move, they move on. 
And then there's been all kind of other conversation with God. And there's been all kind of doubts expressed and all kind of struggles going on. Right? I mean, we see it over and over again. Matter of fact, it continues to be amazing to me how patient God is with Abraham. Instead of saying, you know, I called you, but you still don't seem to quite get it. You know, maybe we should try somebody else. No, he doesn't do that. God continues to draw closer, to, to affirm to Abraham in the areas of his personal faith struggle. You ever have any faith struggles? You ever have questions for God? Things don't always fit together in the way that maybe you initially thought they would and it gets a little cloudy to you and you even say to God, I, I just don't really get this. And uh, sometimes we're a little concerned about saying that because we wonder how God might respond. Well, I think we can be quite confident to know that God is the same as He's always been. (laughs) And that as He responded to Abraham and Sarah, as we'll see today, He doesn't reject them. But actually, as they continue to walk with Him, He comes closer. You know, our, our spiritual life is a process, isn't it? I mean, it's got to begin with faith in Christ. I mean, we don't really have a relationship with God at all. Matter of fact, we're dead in our sins, the Bible says, until we come to Christ. And we're actually, Jesus said, when we come to Christ, we're, we're born again. It's a new life we have. But how do you start out life? Physically, you start out as a baby, right? Anybody born as an adult? Your mothers are happy that wasn't true. Yeah, right. Yeah, and of course, remember Nicodemus asked that. How in the world can I be born again? I mean, I'm an adult. Am I going to re-enter my mother's womb? Remember that that conversation with Jesus? Yeah. No, that's not what it's about. It's not a physical birth, but it's a spiritual birth, and we are reborn. I mean, that's what God says happens when we receive Christ as our Savior and allow Him to come in and to cleanse us from our sins to put us in right relationship with God and and be his children but we don't start out as spiritual children as adults just like we don't start out as physical children as adults we're just babies when we accept Christ and there's still a lot of messiness we need to have our diapers changed you know yeah we kind of smell sometimes, you know, and we cry and we wail. And I mean, you know, but as we grow, you know, it's there's something wrong. As the Bible also talks about if we're still babies, you know, just feeding on milk <laughs> and later on in life, that's not right. We need to be growing up. I mean, you know, the normal physical life is one of constant maturity, aging, change. The normal spiritual life is constant growth growing and change and we need certain ingredients for that to be happening certainly we as christians today we have the holy spirit dwelling in we have the word of god we have the fellowship of believers yeah but it's all about us moving forward with god and as we do certainly there are times like it was with abraham and sarah where there's times where there seems to be silence i get that God, I mean, we're not hearing necessarily from God the same way every day. But I do know that the faith walk is different as we go further on. 
and that there is a security and a a sense of God in ways that we didn't know earlier on as we go forward with him. That's what Abraham is experiencing here as these visitors come. Now, I'm not saying God's going to send you three visitors. I mean, he could. I, I certainly feel like I have been visited by God sometimes in people that come my way that he kind of speaks through I, I need to be open to that i need to be discerning don't get me wrong I, you know if somebody just tells me well i'm here to tell you what god said well i'm kind of nervous about that one i i have had i worked with a pastor one time who told me after i had announced that i was going to be leaving that position and go to another one he said well you know i had a dream last night and, and, and I just know that I'm to tell you, you're not to make this move. What do you do with that? Well, I wasn't that far along in my, well, I mean, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, okay. And uh, I just said, and I felt with confidence, I mean, I didn't know all the future, but I said, you know, hey, I appreciate your concern, but I got to tell you, God hadn't told me that. And if that's really what he wants to say, I believe he can tell me that. Well, you know, I think we do have to be discerning. I think we have to be careful that we just don't follow along because somebody says, God said. Yeah. So be careful in that, too. On the other hand, I do believe we need to have confidence that God will guide us. God will help us. God will affirm that which he wants us to know. Okay? So if you have questions, if you're moving along and some struggles, hang in there. (laughs) We've talked about that all along, right? Wait and trust. And those are the factors that are so key for us as we walk with the Lord. So the longer Abraham walks with the Lord, the more he experiences God's closeness and intimate communication, confirming the covenant in deeper ways. Now it's interesting, these... uh, Visitors then ask a question to Abraham about Sarah. That might have been a little bit, uh, well, it probably was two things to Abraham. One, it was like, wow, they know my wife's name. (laughs) How is that possible? These guys just showed up. But secondly, oh, wow, these guys must be something special because they know my wife's name. So all of that was going on. And so uh, Abraham says, uh, Abraham says she's inside the tent, and then one of them said, immediately, the main message that God was bringing to them in this situation, and it goes back again to the covenant, the confirmation, and he says, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. The one who speaks here gives God's word to Abraham. God is speaking and affirming his plan. Now, remember back in chapter 17, again, God confirmed his plan to Abraham. And what did Abraham do? He laughed. Remember that? Well, guess what happens here when Sarah, who is in the tent, but she's hearing what's going on, you know what she does? She laughs. She laughs. Now, it was a laugh, it seems like, as I read this text. It was not a laugh like, ha ha, that's really funny. What a great joke. No, it was more of a laughter of it ain't going to happen. You know, I, I, I can't believe this. This is just too much. You know, and so it's that kind of a disbelieving 
laugh. Matter of fact, it's clarified, isn't it, by uh, what she says. How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Some of the uh, Old Testament uh, scholars would say that her comment about pleasure wasn't just about having a baby, but it was actually about the pleasure of intimacy between a husband and wife that probably they had not enjoyed because of their age. And they would enjoy that again? Can that really happen? Good question. That's what she was wrestling with. And of course, then the Lord said, and it's interesting how this, the, the text changes, kind of how this is, you know, it's kind of the visitors and one of them says something. Now, now we have it really specific here. Then the Lord said, so we know God is speaking through this whole thing. Then the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say this? Can an old woman like me have a baby? Now, this next phrase, verse 14, is really one to hang on to. Is anything too hard for God? Now, that's not a question God is asking them to answer. <laughs> as far as saying, well, let's think about that. Well, maybe something, you know, can, can God, you know, do this? God? No, no, it's a rhetorical question, right? God is saying, hey, nothing's too hard for me. Is anything too hard for the Lord. I just was looking earlier in uh, the passage in Luke where Mary is uh, being told, of course, that she's going to have uh, the Messiah. And um, the encouragement that comes to her from the angel is that he says, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. And then the angel says, for nothing is impossible with God. Same thing. Anything too hard for God, nothing's impossible for God. Do you believe that? Now, we don't, we don't manipulate God to get Him to do the things that we want because He can do anything. But it's still true, isn't it? That God can and will do whatever He wants to do. He has the power. He has control of everything. He knows it all. He knows the end from the beginning. We can trust Him. We don't have to laugh with disbelief. But the great news is that even though she did laugh with disbelief, and even lied about it, by the way. <laughs> she was afraid. So uh, she said, I-, I didn't laugh. You ever do that when you're a kid? Probably even as an adult sometimes, but I can remember sometimes getting caught in something. I, I didn't do that. No. Now, I had a little problem. I was an only child, so I had nobody to blame. You know, I tried to blame a dog, but that didn't work. Yeah, we do it. You know, I didn't didn't do that. No, 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 not me. I don't know what you heard, God, but it wasn't me. And that's so silly, isn't it? (laughs) We we do that sometimes, right? I mean, that's kind of been the problem in humanity from the fall, right? I mean, from way back, you know, um, God says, where are you to Adam? Well, he only knew where he was. You know, and of course, they were trying to hide, and they had the the plant leaves, you know, to kind of cover up their nakedness, and God sees it all. It's so silly. I mean, that's what we should laugh about. That's so silly. Yeah. But what does God do? He just answers and says, no, you did laugh. But he didn't say, I'm done. 
This is enough. You guys are just a mess. I give up. Aren't you glad he doesn't say that? Yeah, right. Amen. <laughs> All right. So, um, it's really been a good day. I mean, even though she laughed and didn't believe and all that, it's been a good day. I mean, they, they, they had angels visit with them or, or, and God himself and in the midst of this whole thing and they're, they're hearing God's word again and all the things they were been wrestling with, they get it confirmed and it's going to happen and, and even now they know when. You know, one year from now, it's going to happen. You're going to have a baby. It's getting clear. But things are about to change from all those positive and high moments. As the men leave, we find in the text that God is kind of speaking on the aside. You ever go to a play and you know there's this interaction between the characters and then sometimes a character will kind of stand off to the side and like speak to the audience. It's kind of like what's going through his head. Well, that's what we have here in this particular writing. It's almost like God is on the aside and we see what he's thinking. And so we read, God says, should I hide my plan from Abraham? I mean, he's asking himself. This is rhetorical in some ways, but it's also self-revelation. For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. He's reasoning, letting us know, actually, his reasoning of giving Abraham information that only really he's going to hear. He's really getting information from God that nobody else on this earth knew. You know, Abraham kind of fulfilled a lot of different roles. And certainly one of them was prophet. And so God revealed things to Abraham. He was God's mouthpiece in a lot of ways. But this information that is revealed to Abraham, because he was close to God, and God makes that clear, this is my chosen one, this is the one who's going to follow me, this is the one who's going to leave a legacy for me, this is the one who's going to teach his children about me, this is the one who's going to stay faithful, this is the one I'm going to reveal myself more to because of the closeness that's developing here. And, and, And so he does. But in that revelation to Abraham, there's a great difficulty that comes his way. Because God says, I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. And the two men went down to Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Next week, we're going to continue with the interaction of Abraham with God. And we will see that Abraham understood the coming judgment because he pleads with God. He pleads with God that maybe God will not do what he would do because of evil, because there might be enough people there that would be righteous. He's pleading for his family. 
He's pleading for Lot and his clan. Even though Lot chose the land because he wanted an easy life and he liked all of the goodness of Sodom, but yet knew that he was heading into something that was not of God. And certainly living, we'll find out more and more as we look at next week, in a very, very pagan place that had influenced his family. But Abraham still loved his family. He, he still didn't want that to happen. It, 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 he, he was experiencing a lot of inner turmoil here as he heard this word from God. Because he knew the evil in these cities. And so the great time and promises he had enjoyed this day now suddenly shift to the knowledge of bad things soon to happen to the members of his family. You know, it happens, doesn't it? So many times we experience spiritual blessings and high points only to come back home. (laughs) Only to come to family struggles. Well, that seems to be the big ones. That's where the tensions are. That's where the great stresses are. That's where the great disappointments are. That's where the real lows are i mean certainly we have really high times with our families but boy i'll tell you when you love and you know people and you have a relationship and things are hard that's when you really feel it and you don't know what to do a lot of times and so like abraham not only do we have highs we have lows but also like abraham we learn deep truths in all of those areas certainly as God comes to us and affirms things and we see his promises and we we rejoice in what he's done but also in the downs of life as we hear from God because of three things that we find in this passage first of all most important that God makes himself known to us and we are on the other side of the cross we have the wonderful privilege of knowing God in an intimate way that he was intending from the beginning but we had messed up when we sinned against him but yet in Christ we have the promise of the one who has come to be with us we read in John 1 selected verses here the word was with God And the Word was God, Jesus, the Word. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He came to us. And His purpose in coming, He has revealed God to us. And then we have the wonderful promise in John 1.12 that to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. Like we talked earlier before, we are born again into the family of God. Jesus but you know just like Abraham had these visitors come God came to them and him to these visitors he, he he went to them and he invited them into his home you know we too have that responsibility I mean God comes but what if Abraham didn't invite him in he's kind of let him go on their way way he did do something didn't he he did invite them we have that responsibility too God comes, but will we answer? Will we welcome Him in? Revelation 3.20, which is a verse many times we've used for those who have not yet become Christians, and I think it fits, but that really wasn't the intention of the verse. It's Jesus talking to the churches in Revelation 3.20, and so really it is for the believer And you know it, right? It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. This is Jesus speaking. 
If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. What a great invitation. Are you going to receive it? <laughs> Are you going to welcome him? Are you going to be excited when Jesus shows up at your door? Are you going to say, hey, come on in. Man, this is the best. Or are you going to say, oh my goodness, I wasn't really ready for you. i, I got to go fix up some things first. No. It ain't about you fixing anything up. <laughs> it's about you inviting him to fix it up. Yeah. And he promises to come in, doesn't he? Isn't that wonderful? So listen for God's voice. Let him in. This is a key factor for all of us day by day. Now, there's another way we can welcome God into our lives, and uh, it's seen in this text, and that is in welcoming others into our homes, showing hospitality to strangers. Abraham didn't know these people, but he invited them in. He prepared a wonderful meal. He welcomed them in, showed hospitality. You know, we read in Hebrews 13 too, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Notice it says, without realizing it. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if you've entertained angels because you probably don't realize it. But I do know that if we show hospitality to strangers, that's an avenue that God uses where we might entertain somebody and God might do something and He might show us something we never knew before. And it's a process that He uses in our spiritual growth, but also the encouragement of other people. So, Christians, one of our callings is to be hospitable. It's to be a sign of our faith. And you know what hospitality is? It's inviting people in. Into your life, right? Actually, into your home. I think our culture has got more and more away from inviting people into our home. I don't know why. We get more and more inclusive and not outward. But, you know, I, I know in my neighborhood, man, I don't really talk to my neighbors until it's summer. You know, we're kind of all stuck inside. And then all of a sudden you're out there, you're pulling on weed or something. There he is, you know. So we do get some good communications there. But we need to be more intentional. And it reminds me that Betty and I had talked about having our neighbors over sometime this summer. And we haven't done it. Yeah, it's just hard to get at it sometimes. But it's important. I know in our home, I mean, we certainly haven't been perfect, but we have at times, by God's grace, been blessed to invite people into our home that sort of are strangers. I mean, we've had missionaries in our home. Stay with us. But our, you know, our kids, they often have to leave their bedroom, you know, and sleep somewhere else on the floor or something, you know, and the missionary would be there. And yeah. But we, we wanted that because we knew that. These were people that God was at work in. And to bring them into my home was bringing really God's activity into our home. And it would make a difference in us and in our kids. And we've had other guests. Many I have forgotten. I, I think though when we get to the end and we go into heaven, we're going to be made aware, aren't we? The things we didn't know, the things we didn't see, we're going to spend eternity saying, wow, God, you did that. I can't believe it. Look at that. Woo! Man, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. In the meantime, let's do what he said, right? Let's 
let the folks come in. Now, I don't really think this necessarily means that there are times certainly where if God really motivates you to, to just pick somebody up along the road, I guess you could do that. I don't think that's the general principle here because this is written to the body of believers. And I really think that within the body of believers, we need to be hospitable. And God opens, I mean, you're in the church family here, right? And one of the things we need to be thinking about is, as we come together, is God bringing a stranger into your presence that you might be able to be the hospitable one. And you might not only say hi to them after church, but you might even talk about going to have dinner. Or you might ask them into their home. And you know what? It's unbelievable what God will do if we do that. It might not fit our comfort zone. It might not fit our culture. But do you know what? This culture that we're living in really isn't our culture. We're of the kingdom of God. That's our culture. And we need to be those people for God's glory. Do you know that the majority, I really believe this with all my heart because I've seen it in ministry, the majority of people that come to know Christ as their Savior do so because somebody has reached out to them and shown them love and grace. The ministry we had with China Outreach Ministries, you know, it will, really was a hospitality ministry. It really was people getting people in churches to invite Chinese students who were away from home to come over for a dinner and eat turkey when they'd never eaten it before. Or whatever they had, yeah. And it was amazing how many testimonies were not because of the Bible study they were in, although God uses that too, but really was the fact that somebody invited them into their home and loved them. It's amazing what God will do. Hospitality. Finally, remember this. This story encourages us to remember that when bad things come, remember the goodness of God and that He is with you. Abraham and Sarah, I'm sure, particularly Abraham in this story, will find themselves not doubting God necessarily, but certainly struggling through this whole thing of the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we're going to talk about that next week. But they had a lot to remember that was good, that would keep them going through the bad time. You do too. You have a lot to remember that's been good to keep you going through the bad time. The trouble we have sometimes is directing our minds to remember the right thing. Lord, help me to see how you want me to see. Lord, help me to remember how good you are. Lord, keep me on the right track here that my mind goes in the way you want it to. And you know there's promises in the Word of God that when we do bring our minds into the presence of God through prayer, that He promises us a peace that passes understanding, that He promises to keep our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Look up in Philippians 4. Great promises. So, I don't know where you are this week. Maybe you're still on a high. 
Some of you going to school and you get that teacher you don't want. Nah, that would never happen. Yeah. I wanted it to be this way. It ain't that way. Is God still with you? You bet. Is that what really matters? You bet. Ask Him to keep your mind in the right place. To remember His goodness. And to go through the badness with the memory and the reality of His goodness. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for who You are. And thank You that in You we have comfort, strength, wisdom, power that's beyond ourselves. Thank you that you bring, that you come to us. You bring people into our lives. You, you actually yourself come to us through the testimony of others. You, you come to us. We, 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 we know that there are angels surrounding us. We, we don't see them. You've told us in your word. You're here. And certainly you're here in our lives through the presence of the Holy Spirit. May we walk as people of faith. Not by sight, but by faith. And as we go through this week, and may we celebrate the highs and enjoy them, not worrying about the lows to come. That would be foolish too. But may we also, in the midst of the challenging times, not forget your good and trust you to take us through. In Jesus' name, amen.